Welcome to 2.23am, a call to uncommon action. The 2.23am podcast interviews the rule breakers of business, those leaders and entrepreneurs who are creating enterprises that serve the well-being of all. I'm Christine McDougall. Today my guest is Dan Pink, New York Times best-selling author of Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. To sell is human and a whole new mind. Dan's TED Talk has been viewed by over 12 million people. In this episode, we talk about what motivates Dan, how he writes, his dream dinner guests, and what he's up to now. As usual, quotes from this episode, links, and Dan's full bio are all found in the show notes at www.blog.223am.com forward slash podcast. A reminder that we are hosting a teleconference event with Dr. David Martin, who was our first guest on this current series on December 15th Australian time, that's the 14th in the United States, where he will introduce people to integral accounting and answer questions people might have about integral accounting. Integral accounting is a beautiful tool to consider value in multiple domains. If you're interested, please email me direct at christine at 223am.com for details. And if you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you went to iTunes and left a rating, as this will help us get more listeners and increase our exposure. And while you're there, why not subscribe so you never miss an episode? It's free and takes just one click. If you want to know more about 2.23am, the community we are creating, the events and services we are offering to support the call of your 2.23am moments, then go to blog.223am.com. Thank you for listening. It's a revolution. Today, uh, my guest is the author of the New York Times best-selling author, multiple best-selling author of Drive and to Sell as Human, Dan Pink. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today on the 2.23 AM podcast. Thanks for having me, Christine. So I, I have given you the heads up that the opening question is uh, what wakes you at 2.23 AM, either literally or metaphorically? <clears throat> what wakes me at 2:23 a.m. Well, you know, I'm a pretty good sleeper, so what? Li- so what literally wakes me up at 2:23 a.m. isn't, I, you know, isn't isn't much. I don't have, you know, barking dogs, and my kids are old enough that they don't scream in the middle of the night. Um, I think that what would what would wake me up? What would wake me up? Um, is a sense that I wasn't getting enough done. Uh, this nagging suspicion that. There's more to do, and there's better stuff to do, and everyone's, you know, and I will think about that, and that can cause a little, that can cause some moments of insomnia. So that's what wakes me up, the sense of frustration that I'm not getting enough done. Right. And so uh, you have, um, uh, you've done a, a significant body of work. You probably don't think that. <laughs> Do you do you think that that you've you've done a significant body of work, or you feel like you're you know only just started to kick the tire? Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel like there's a lot more to do and a lot more to do better. 
Right, right. Um, so, so, and and I'm, you know, I, I'm really interested in in because uh, a lot of your work has, involves this enormous amount of um, both research and and uh, researching other researchers really, and and compilation of of different threads and sort of creating a coherence out of all of these multiple sources of research. Um, is you know that, that's what I'm that's what I pick up when I read all read all your material. So I'm really curious, you know, what motivates you to do to do all of that? You know, what is your cent? And you write a lot, you speak a lot about motivation, so on of others. What's your central motivation? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if there is a central motivation. Um, I, I think like all of us, it's a mix of motivations. But for me, um, if there's something that inhabits the center a lot. Uh, maybe not all the time, every time. What, what inhabits the center a lot is is a sense of of challenge. Um, uh, you know, can I do something different? Can I do something in a different way? Um, can I master this set of material? Can I explain something? Can I can I explain something that sheds light for people uh, that surprises them and enlightens them? Uh, so right. Right. that's I think that's so so for me it's it's kind of a, a sense of challenge and a desire to make some kind of tiny contribution out there. So it isn't only challenge for challenge's sake. So it isn't the kind of thing where I'm motivated only by say I don't know a runner's motivation to beat your personal best time. Um, yeah. Although that's part of it. It's also you know that's a big part of it. Is 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 trying to get better at something and and mastering new challenges. But also some of it is doing that in order to make some kind of modest contribution to the world. Okay. All right. And so so um, I know you started um, studying as a lawyer, but then you went to writing speeches in the political arena. How did you... When did you know that you were going to sort of arrive in this place that where you're working as you are? Or, or um, you know, what was the sort of... The, the pathway that got you to um, got you to to start uh, this journey that you're on. Yeah, I mean, there isn't. I mean, I, I wish there were a much more coherent, neat, and tidy narrative. <laughs> there isn't, unfortunately. It's it's a much more stumbling kind. Of, it's a much more stumbling, um, half-assed kind of path. Uh, you know, yeah. I was in early earlier in my life. I was very interested in politics and uh and you know went to law school basically as a default, not really thinking about it, and then left law school saying, I'm interested in politics, let me go work in politics. I did that for a while. Uh and I liked it uh to a certain extent and then I got really just tired of it. Um I found that it there was there was way too much um uh nonsense, way too much posturing, not enough Kind of substance, uh, a lot of just really silly gamesmanship that I had absolutely no interest in, uh, and even more than yeah. that, you know, there were other things out there that I found more interesting. So, so it was sort of a, you know, and and throughout my life, or not my life, but throughout my more or less adult life, I'd always been a writer, quote unquote, on the side. So when I was in college, I would do some writing, quote unquote, on the side. Uh, when I was in law school, I probably spent more time writing articles for newspapers and magazines than I did actually doing my legal work. When I was working in jobs in government and in politics, pretty demanding jobs, I would often be writing a magazine article or something else 
um, in my spare time. And it finally occurred to me that maybe I was a writer and that that's what I should be doing mm. at the center rather than at the periphery. But um, yeah. like many of us, it's a it's a it's a jagged journey, not a smooth one. <laughs> okay. All right. And and so, um, was your first book Johnny Bunker? I'm sorry. Say that again. Is that the first? Was the first book that you wrote was that Johnny Bunker? No, no, no. The first book that I wrote was a book mm. called Free Agent Nation about the rise of oh, people right. working yeah, for okay, themselves. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, um, and and so, and that was basically sparked in that was sparked in part by my decision to do that myself, to leave working right. in a traditional job to go out on my own. Okay. And that itself was, was sparked by this recognition that I had in my, what would it be, early to mid-30s that, that what I was doing on the side, writing, was probably what I should be doing for real rather than yeah. what, I, what my regular job was. You know, the same thing is true, you know, with with political speech writing. I think there's a danger in political speech writing that one can lose sight over what one actually thinks him or herself. Um, right. That it's all very, it's all very tactical. It's all coming up with what's the right thing to say, rather than with, rather than what, what, what do I believe? Uh, what do I think is the truth? What do I think is the right thing to say? And it wasn't as if, yeah. you know, my political speeches were going, you know, wildly against what I believe, not in anywhere close. But uh, I think there's a certain corrosion of intellectual integrity that can come from working in those kinds of jobs. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, from your, from your writing, and, and so you, there's an enormous commitment to that integrity that comes through that I see. I mean, it, 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 and, and I just rewatched um, in preparation, I just rewatched the TED Talk um, in Oxford. And uh, it, this, 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 uh, it, it, it's just fascinating to see, the, the, and I love the way you do that with the, the background of your legal, even though you never practice as a lawyer, but this enormous integrity of, of compiling research that um, is, is fairly, hard, uh, fairly difficult to argue against because it's so, um, it, it, it's so far-reaching and so grounded. Um, and so, well, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, part of that is because you know, part of that is because if you, I mean, one can explain that in other terms, um, which yeah. is that you know, for better or worse, and there's strengths and weaknesses to it, um, is that I am, or at least like to think of myself as an intensely rational person. Um, yeah. That is where I'm. My my strength, such as it is, is in kind of the rational side of things rather than the emotional side of things. I'm much less adept on that realm than I am in the kind of here's the evidence, here are the facts, here's the logical conclusion one can draw from that. And I'm more, a little bit more at sea when it comes to talking about sort of dealing with those sort of emotional, intangible sorts of notions. Right. Uh, so you actually you actually have um, identified that as both a strength and a weakness. Because <laughs> the the uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's a it's a strength it's a strength that one can look at. It's strength that you can you can you can go into a, a body of research and analyze it, scrutinize it, um, come up with an account of it. Uh, you can look at data and evidence and. Uh, try to see it in a new light. Uh, the downside of it is is that it's some, there's a 
if someone isn't responding rationally to something, you know, I can get frustrated even if I know rationally that people always don't respond rationally to things. Yes. <laughs> yes. A little circular there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I And, you know, it's fascinating because um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, personally really interested in people and, 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 and why they do and all of that sort of stuff. And so, because I, I read... Um, I, I think it was on your website you said your dream dinner and this may have changed by now but your dream dinner was, would be with Jesus, Buddha and Muhammad and I thought that was very curious it's like what would you want to eat <laughs> so tell me why they are the people that you have self-selected to have around oh, you uh, well, there, there are two reasons um, I mean, first of all if you, if you think about the people who have had the, the greatest impact in, in terms of this, in terms of quantity of people reached, Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad would be way up there. I mean, yes. they make they make Steve Jobs look like a piker. Um, yes. The other thing is that if I had dinner with Jesus, Muhammad, and Buddha, I would have I would be able to turn that into the most awesome book. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me your approach with that, because interestingly, I've I've often thought about writing the same book. But I can almost promise you my approach to you. The book that you would write and the one that I would write would be very different. So tell me what you would do with that if you had those guys. Now, what would be the book that you would write? Oh, on that, I, you know, I would want to know, okay, so what does Jesus make of what's going on in the world today? What does Muhammad make of, the, of, of what's going on in the world today? What does Buddha make in the, in the, uh, of what's going on in the world today? And I think even more important is that, you know, let's put, our, let's put your three heads together and tell me what we should be doing. Okay, <laughs> and, and and so here's the next question: um, Are they going to answer in a rational way, or are they going to answer in a mystical way? Good question. I don't know. I think yeah. they're going to. It's a great question. I don't. I, I don't know. I think they're going to answer in a way that is. I think they're going to answer in an interesting way, and they're going to answer in a way that is um, uh, enlightening. And you make a very good point because I mean, I do. I do think that there is a. There is an element of morality and goodness that does have that that is not irrational that actually is rational and is actually deeply human that there is yes. I think one can make a very very strong case that certain aspects of morality are encoded in our DNA that at various points in our evolution it was evolutionary advantageous to be moral right, yeah. Right, yeah. So, so, because um, uh, what are you working on at the moment? Is or is that is that a secret? Because <laughs> you, you're uh, obviously no, 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 no. The, the you know, as with as with as with all writers, or or ninety nine point nine 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 percent of writers, you know, that that obscurity is a much greater problem than piracy. So, uh, okay. so I'm not too. I'm not too concerned about that. Well, right now what I'm doing is for the last, much of this year, in fact, much of 2014, I've been working on a television program. Uh, it's a right. show called uh, Crowd Control that has begun airing recently on the National Geographic Channel uh, here in the States and then will be out around the world in 2015. And so what we're trying to do there, working with a really, really great team of people, is take some of these really interesting principles of behavioral science, uh, apply them in the real world, and do it in a way that is both entertaining and informative. 
So we'll go out and we'll take a problem, like whether it's speeding or whether it's people not picking up their trash or whether it is uh, getting people to wash their hands after going to the washroom and use principles of behavioral science and some cool design and technology to try to come up with a solution and then turn on, you know, turn on our cameras and watch what happens. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I've heard, um, I've been, uh, I've seen, been seeing threads of that um, and articles throughout, because that's only just started to, to be uh, televised, hasn't it, only in the last couple of weeks. Exactly right. Yep, we just had our, our second airing, uh, as you and I are speaking, our second airing has just occurred. Oh, okay, all right, great. And and has that, because uh, we, uh, I'm in Australia, obviously, and it's, we don't have it here it yet. It should be out in Australia um, eventually. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. And but uh, and ha- has there been a um, have you been happy with the reception? Or has National Geographic and so on have your partners been happy with the way it's landed? We, you know what? There's always more. There, you know, until every American is is tuned in on Monday night, it's not going to be enough. <laughs> okay, circles back to uh, I'm not getting enough done. The frustration. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. And so so. I'm really curious, you know, all of this work and, and, and what you've uncovered, um, how has this changed you and, and how you're living your life? The, the television show or just... No, 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 the, the, all, all your body of work. So, I mean, even going back to um, uh, when when we talked about uh, the opening question and you said um, the challenges, you know, can I do something in a different way? And I know that's very different. Um, that's a, a very... Um, asking the question and so on. Um, is far more powerful, and um, you know, this is your own your, your own work. So, so how how is it? How has this changed you, and and how do you apply it? Is part one of the question. Part two of the question is, what's it like to live in the pink household, where you're where you're 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 like a petri dish of all of this human. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you have to ask the other people. You, you know, you have to ask the other people in the pink household. People don't seem any more discontent than any other. Uh, American family, so uh, okay. you know. I mean, as I mean, um, you know, among the things, uh, if you look at a book, if you look at a book like like Draw and the Body of Research about motivation and about the limits of uh, tangible if-then rewards for yes. things that require long-term attention or creative and conceptual thinking, um, you know. I, we, you know, in, with our with our kids, my wife and I don't use anything like that. Um, you know, we don't say, "Oh, if you get a good mark and a grade, you get some money or anything." I mean, that's just appalling. Um, I mean, not, I mean, not even morally appalling. It's just like a really, it's a really bad idea. The evidence is clear that it's it's really, really stupid. And so, um, and, and, and you know, another core principle of the drive basket of ideas is the principle of autonomy that that people do better when they have a measure of self direction. And so, my wife and I have always been. Uh, probably even more so after doing my doing the research, but really, you know, uh, trying to do what we can to create an environment where kids are self-directed, where they're not trying to please uh, an authority figure, whether it's a parent or a teacher, but where they're doing things for their own sake and where they have some sovereignty over uh, over their over their own lives. And so, um, so that's. That's important. Uh, I, I have become convinced in, in looking at the research on someone like Carol Dweck uh, about yes. the significance of 
you know, a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, as she calls it. So if you think about yeah. something in, in Carol Dweck's parlance, uh, if you think about something like intelligence, you can think of intelligence as an entity, a fixed entity, or you can think of it as something that you can grow. And that choice yeah. that you make has an enormous effect. If you think of intelligence as a fixed entity, then every encounter becomes essentially a test of that. Do you have it or do you not? Whereas if you think of it as a growth, as, as something that you can grow, then every challenge becomes a way to actually build, you know, add to that reservoir. And, and yeah. that has been a really important piece of learning in, as a parent. Um, and it's, likely, yeah. it's also been a really important piece of learning for me as an adult, adult human being. Um, yeah. Recognizing that, you know, that's a way to think about uh, that's a way to think about my homework. The other thing is is that, um, you know, if you look at some of the social science evidence on something like the importance of conscientiousness, um, you know, conscientiousness as one of the what psychologists call these big five traits: openness, conscientiousness, right. extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Uh, conscientiousness uh, is a very very powerful predictor of of flourishing and stability. Not not, not only stability, sort of flourishing and effectiveness. And so that has become important as I think about what kind of advice to give my kids and how I lead my own life. Um, The same thing is true, even though it's been a little bit oversold recently on on something like like the notion of grit, of passion, perseverance for long-term goals. Um, So my view is that if if people have a degree of self-direction um, where they can sort of direct their own lives, um, do it for good reasons, and do it in a conscientious manner with a degree of grit, they're going to be fine. And, right. And, and as a parent, I'm indifferent about whether my kids – I'm not indifferent about whether my kids are conscientious or not. I, I'm not indifferent about whether my kids demonstrate some degree of grit. I'm not indifferent about whether my kids are self-directed. But I am indifferent yeah. about whether they use that to become – um, uh, a chef or a baseball player or a stay-at-home yeah. mom or yeah. an engineer or a biologist or whatever. Like, yes. you know. Yeah, yes. So that, that, that uh, it, it's, it's really the, uh, the structure of, the, of human behavior versus the actual form of how that is manifest. Right, exactly. Well yeah. said. Okay. So um, I'm really curious about, because uh, you, you, you must need to spend quite a large amount of time reading um, and, and researching and so on and so forth. So when you're in the, in the, the, the uh, writing process, um, can you just say a little bit about how you organize your time and, your, um, and all of that, how that comes together? Yeah. yeah. Um, again, it's, not, it's often not a pretty picture. Um, and they're different. <laughs> they're, it's a good, no, it's a great question, and, and I always like to hear about this with other people. So and that's why I'm, you yeah. know, I'm totally happy to share uh, my own approach, for better or worse. Um, I have uh, so so there's, there's there's a stage where I'm I'm trying to figure things out, and yeah. I, I don't even have a name for it. But there's a stage where I'm trying to figure things out, and that's actually fairly loose. And what I'll do in those kinds of cases is I'll read and I'll make notes. And I end up using, um, you know, I know everybody's very fond of whiteboards. Um, and, and I like whiteboards, but what I like even better are these giant Post-it notes. Um, yes. And I use that. So if you look at my office right now, the, the, I have giant Post-it notes in a lot of places. And I'll just yes. sort of, you know, scratch things out and just be very, very loose and just 
you know, come in you know, reading and asking questions and, and interviewing people and just, you know, gathering, gathering string. Um, and for me, the way that an idea comes together uh, is often quite visually. So that, you know, so, so being able to see, um, uh, I, mean, I mean, literally, like, I'll have just sort of scratched out notes on a piece of, on a giant post-it note, okay? So just imagine those sort of yeah. scratched out phrases and numbers and whatever. And I will, I mean, I, I sound like a lunatic, but I will sometimes just, and those are those are behind my desk in the way that my office is configured. Yeah. I will turn my yeah. chair around and just like spend a half an hour just looking at that stuff. Yes. I mean, yes. it looks yep. like I'm, it, it looks like I'm, you know, a, 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 a catatonic in a way. Um, Not but I'm at actually all. working. Not at all. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, there's that kind of I don't know what I, again. I don't have a term for this, but you can think of it as kind of incubation that is fairly fairly loose in that regard, just to have things come together. Um, yeah. But then, when I'm actually writing, writing, I, I switch yeah. approaches considerably. I mean, it's almost night and day. And so, when I'm actually writing, uh, I will I, I will stick to a pretty rigid schedule where I will show up in my my office is a converted some tiny converted garage behind my house and yeah. so i will take the 22 steps out my back door to pink ink world headquarters this reformed garage and yeah. and i will i will try my darndest to show up at the office at the exact same you know pretty much the same time so i'll start writing at 8:30 or something like that. I'm not super, I'm not a super early person. I'm not a super late person. I'm kind of in, in the middle. Yeah. So I'll start I'll start say writing at say 8:30 in the morning. And what I will do is I won't do anything else. I won't answer my phone. I will close my email and all that. And what I'll say to myself is something like often uh, today, you know. So for this month, I want you to do 500 words every day. And yeah. I won't do anything else until I hit those 500 words. Mm-hmm. Now. On, on very good days, which are rare, I will hit. I might hit the 500 words by 10:30. Um, yeah. Other days, I might not hit the. I might not hit those. I might be like telling my family have dinner without me because I still haven't hit my 500 right. words. Um, wow. But that's what I'll. And, and so once I hit those 500 words, then I might look at my email. And then you know, typically what I'll do is I'll, I can hit those 500 words or whatever the marker is by, you know, noon or 12.30 or something like that at 1 o'clock. And then I'll use the rest of the day to maybe do some more research, do some more interviews, get some exercise, um, and then maybe come back in the late afternoon, early evening, and do some editing, and then start the cycle again. But the point of all, the yes. point of this very, very long-winded answer, Christine, is that um, at one point, at one stage, it's a very loose process, but at the writing stage, it's actually, for me, it's very tight. Otherwise, I can't get it done. So I'm really curious. You, it, it, it sounds like with, the, with your process that you have this, this figuring out process, um, it, it, you, you have a, uh, something in your mind, um, so something that is, is uh, um, you, you've got a sort of a, a thesis that you're working on, and then you, so you take this time to really figure it out and create the coherence and see the threads and, and sort of get some order and structure around that. Is that what that? Ha- and then you take that to writing, and it all, all, all um, and all, almost then just becomes about the writing. Or do you flip back between the two? 
Yeah, good question. Um, I guess it's like all these things, it depends. So yes. there might be, there might be, you know, for me, writing itself is a form of figuring stuff out. So right. yeah. it's sort of, yeah. you know, the, the you, you have to figure stuff out to a certain extent in order to begin writing. But yes. the writing itself allows you to figure things out. And there are moments when I will, I mean, in this course of writing books, absolutely, where I, I will recognize that actually showing up to write every day isn't working right now because there's a bigger issue that I have to deal with. And, right. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll maybe shift to that other mode of, uh, shift to that other mode of doing things. Um, yes. And that's happened, be, you know, that's happened before in, that, that's happened before in, in books. I mean, basically every book that I've written. Um, yes. You know the 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 structure of the book that I have in my mind's eye when I when I start is, is never the same as when what finally comes out on the bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, and but you you know one of the wonderful things about your your books is they're they're very um, they're very readable. I mean, it, it they're very accessible for people to read, and there there is this um, really great sort of structure and 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 uh, and flow to that, and so. Um, can you just say before we move on to the subject? Can you say a little bit about the editing process? Because um, you know that that uh, and, and how much how how what goes into that and and, uh, and uh, you know from your own from your own editing versus um, a, somebody else editing. Yeah. Um, well, it's sort of you know the, the answer to that question will make all of your listeners. Be, be, Addition, even more grateful than they were to begin with that they're not married to me. Um, so, <laughs> so here's so I end up um, I end up writing a lot of drafts. Uh, yes. You know, for for a book chapter, I'll often do twelve, thirteen drafts. Um, okay. I, I just it's you know I have a hard time getting things right initially. It's really really difficult for me. I see all kinds of flaws and. So I will write and you know write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And at a certain point, when things are not completely horrific, uh, I will do the following. Um, well, the, the time and the, the sequence varies a little bit. But basically, if you think about a book, um, if you think about the last three books that I've written, um, or just forget about Johnny Bunker. But if you think about Drive, A Cell is Human, and A Whole New Mind, or just think about Drive into Cell is Human. Um, that book, uh, um, every chapter, my wife read to me aloud multiple times. Yes. Uh, in the editing process. Yes. And every chapter I read to my wife multiple times out loud. Right. So I'll have my wife not only read stuff and, and offer up edits. She's a good editor. She's a sharp thinker, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, logical inconsistencies or things that aren't clear. But for me, um, it, ha- it really helps me to hear the words read to me, and that's yeah. a way that I, that I edit. And actually reading the words aloud helps me edit too. And the only person who can tolerate that torture is my beloved and beleaguered wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, it works. 
So it's, again, it's not it's not it's not pretty. And one of the things that I like to tell people who want to write is that people have this notion of writing as this um, I don't know uh, kind of uh, a feat, uh, purely intellectual kind of endeavor. When in fact, to me, it's just so much more. It's just so much more like manual labor. You know, right. you just you show up and you lay some bricks, and you try to get them to set right, and you show up the next day, and then you show up the next day, and you realize that the bricks that you laid on Monday are a little bit off, so you knock those down and put up some new bricks. I mean, it just requires, I, I think, just incredible kind of kind of doggedness. I mean, it is, yeah. to me, it has so much more in common with manual labor. When you get to that nitty-gritty of writing a book, to me it's much more like manual labor than it is like some kind of grand intellectual journey. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I mean that sort of circles back to the motivation uh, piece, which is you you you, uh, you have to have a greater motivation than just finishing a book, don't you, to do that that process? No, well, that's pretty. Really trying to finish stuff is a pretty good motivation, and um, <laughs> okay. no, you have to know, like you know, like why am I doing this in the first place? Uh, you know, I yeah. mean that's important, and and you know, and and with books, it's like, well, why am I doing it in the first place? Because I decided to do this because I wanted to do this. It isn't like there's yeah. some evil boss telling me I have to do this, and I'm doing yeah. it against my will. I mean, I decided to do this, so shame on me. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, the other thing about the analogy to manual labor is that let's go back to sort of laying a brick. I mean, if you are a bricklayer, um, you see progress in your work, and that's really, really important. Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, Teresa Mabile at Harvard Business School has an incredible book called The Progress Principle where she talks about the social psychology of progress and how important that is in our motivation. And so, you know, one of the things about, you know, the thing is if you if I write six days a week and write 500 words a day, then theoretically at the end of week one, I have 3,000 words written. Now, a lot of them might, might be crappy words, but there's progress there. There are 300 words that didn't exist the previous week. And yeah. that progress itself is a motivator. Yes. Yes, yeah. So, so you have um, you have this uh, the the TV show, on, and and t- just one other piece around the book writing process. But you get the book done and all of that sort of stuff, and then there's the sort of like the promotion arc and and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I imagine, um, which is tell me about you know how that how how um, um how you enjoy or not enjoy or you know what's the what's the part of the process that you get. Um, a, a really high amount of pleasure out of. Um, in terms of promoting the books. Oh no, just the whole journey of of from 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 you know the sort of seed idea right through to uh, getting the book out into the. Into oh, I see what you're saying. Um, you know what? I, I I mean, I have to say, I mean, it might not be. You know, I mean, I I I, I, I part of me re- part of me really wants to answer this question. Um, the satisfaction that I derive from knowing I've had a huge impact on people's lives. But the real answer, and, and that's part of it, no, no, no joke, it's, that's, that's part of it, but I think that the, 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 to me the greatest satisfaction is just the, the challenge of, of, of figuring stuff out, you know, of being right. confused about a topic and then not being confused about the topic or yeah. Yeah. trying to, like, sort of uh, solving a riddle. Like what is this? Yeah. You know, what's the you know this riddle out? You know, there's this riddle out there about uh, um, contingent rewards 
not being effective for long-term conceptual tasks. That seems weird. Why is that? Ooh, let me try to figure out the riddle. Let me try to figure out yeah. the puzzle and just figure, you know, figuring that out. And even, even, even at a micro level, that is, you yeah. know, what's a great metaphor I can use to describe this concept? Uh, how can I write yeah. a sentence that is super clear that when once somebody reads it, they're going to say, ah, I totally get it now. And so, yeah. It, yeah. so for me, it's you know the the what I like most of all is 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 figuring you know it's figuring stuff out even even on a you know if you go out and talk about your ideas and let's say I crack a joke and the joke doesn't work which often happens yeah. like I even yeah. find that really interesting hmm that joke didn't work I wonder why let me try to figure out why that joke didn't work so for me it's just yeah. it's the figuring out is is, is really the, the biggest source of pleasure. Right, I I really I I can really get that, and I I really get that in 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 behind everything because it's not just figuring out, that, but it's also figuring out how this can land for people in a way that works. You know that that that, uh, so, and I think that's that's what is what comes through in your writing so much is that it's you're you're figuring you're only not only figuring a pu- puzzle out, but you're also figuring out how to have it um, be read and integrated. Yeah, that's true. Reader. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that really comes through. So it's it's fascinating to know that. Um, and so I I know I mean our connection and and um, is through um, Andrew Greatrix, who's who's doing the who's who's out there um, getting your work into into businesses and so on around the world. You know, which must be really um, deeply satisfying. Um, and but it also keeps I mean because this is the, the work that you covered on Drive is uh, um, is is incredibly important for our um current sort of like work environment uh where where um you talk about the carrot and sticks but also um giving people more autonomy and 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 all of that sort of stuff and that must be very satisfying for you to see that that it's been taken up in a in a probably a more structured way through um the drive workshops and so on yeah that's great um you know you always like to see the ideas I mean, as you say very nicely, you know, land in the real world and have an impact. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, that's that's hugely important. And there's sometimes when you have to go beyond the book in order to do that. So, yeah. it, you know, so I can so for a lot of readers, I can lay out say the principles of autonomy, and they say, oh great, here's I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. Other folks will say, okay, great, I agree with you, but what do I do? I need a little bit more guidance on what to do. And the workshops are designed to help people do that and yeah. um and you know maybe some of these ideas can lodge more deeply in the real world that way. Yeah. 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 And and so um you you've got the uh, National Geographic um have you finished the work on that has that all been um recorded? Yeah, yeah, we've shot all we've shot 12 yeah. episodes. Uh they're all going to be airing in the in the US in 2014 and the rest of the world in 2015. Okay, and so um, is this a, given the time of year it is as well? Is it kind of a little bit a breathing space time, or are you actually figuring the next thing out, solving the next? Uh, really a little or? bit of both. Yes, a little bit of both. I mean, I'm trying to take some, I'm trying to take some time to breathe, but I'm also, um, you know, if you were to if this were a video interview, the camera would pan to the four giant post-it notes <laughs> on the wall behind me. <laughs> Which have ideas for other projects, some of which I'm actually glad that the camera isn't panning there because some of the ideas will 
once I start stress, stress testing them will turn out to be just preposterous and I'll be I would have been embarrassed to let anybody know that I was even thinking about it. I I was going, I want that video camera so what's on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> what what's the, what give me a give me a clue what are some of the things that uh you're Oh, you know, are, so I I have, you know, a bunch of ideas. I have a bunch of ideas. I have a bunch of ideas for books um uh that are, you know, that are that are up there. Uh I have some ideas for other uh other television projects that are um other television projects that are up there and even things like even things that go beyond books and uh, television shows, so um, oh, cool. All right. um, you know, but but I, I, you know, I I don't have the skills to, I don't have the skills to do anything like anything like that. And I have a very narrow set of skills, so I probably should stick with what I'm reasonably okay at rather than try to go beyond my skill level. Yeah, well, you know, I um. Always, there's always, you're like you're, you sound like someone who really likes the challenge. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, again, it's you know, it's, it's one of those challenges that's in the sweet spot, not too hard, but not too easy. So, right, right, if you were to say to me, right. um, I want to play a, um, I want to play, you know, a, a professional basketball, that's probably yeah. above my skill level, and. Yeah. Um, um, and if you were to say to me, you know, I want to write a 500-word article, it's probably, you know, over the next two months, it's probably below my skill level, and so I try to find something in the middle. Right. Okay. Great. So I have, um, um, just before we close, because um, I have uh, listened to um, all of your um, your own uh, podcast interviews and so on. Oh, wow. Well, no, I, I mean, I've, I've I've followed your work for a long time, so um, and it's um, and I like listening to interview audio and so on. But you 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 say you have this comment, and it may be an Australian thing, or it may be a girl thing, or something like that. You say car talk for the human engine, and I have no idea what that means. It's an American thing. It has been a puzzle. It, it has been a yeah, puzzle. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what, what it is? It is a it's it's a purely it's a purely American thing, and I'm glad that you pointed that out because I realize that our international listeners might not have any idea what I'm talking about. There is a very popular show um, uh, on American radio for very many years called Car Talk, and it was these All two right. guys, uh, one of whom unfortunately just passed away in the last couple of months. These two guys who were car automobile mechanics. And people would call in to the show about problems they had with their car. And these two guys would diagnose it and then give them the suggestion. And they were really funny and really interesting. And it was an enormously popular radio show for many, many years in the States. And, I mean, I feel like an idiot. It just occurred to me, based on your question, that people outside of the United States would have absolutely no reference for that. I was, so I think I, I am here heretofore not going to use it um, <laughs> again. Yeah. Well, thank you. Because I, I was thinking, gosh, there must be something wrong with me. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> no, no, no. It's something wrong but, with me. Yeah. 
but uh, anyway, um, it was it, it it certainly created a question. You know, I'm trying to figure this out. What am I? What is this? What is this? Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, Dan, I uh, I really uh, do appreciate your work. I think you have um, you you're making a, a wonderful contribution. Thanks a lot. Um, it, yeah, and uh, I look forward to uh, whatever the next project is. I'll certainly um, and we'll have the links to. Um, um, you know everything that we've referenced here in the show notes, but um, certainly looking forward to seeing your show on National Geographic and uh, and watching the space of uh, the unfolding of Van Pink. Hey, thanks, 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 thanks for the yeah. great interview. It was really, really fun. Really, really, yeah. really made me think, which is you know difficult <laughs> sometimes on a on a rainy afternoon here in Washington D.C. All right, all right. Well, thank you again, and uh, and. Uh, I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. Okay. If you want more of 223 AM, then you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to the blog of 223am.com. That's blog.223am.com, where you'll find articles and interviews featuring stellar guests from around the world, plus tools and resources, and much, much more. Follow 223AM on Twitter at twitter.com slash 2 underscore 23AM. That's 2 underscore 23AM. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash 0223AM. Till next time, thank you for listening.